right. I got to say, it is so good to be with you guys uh, this evening. I want to welcome those of you who are online joining us too. Thank you for making this a priority in your schedule, carving out that time to continue to connect with us, even though you weren't able to be with us in person. But we want to say thank you. Uh, A couple of things, like Donnie already mentioned our next step dessert, which is next Wednesday, but it's uh, one of my favorite things that we do, and so uh, we've had a lot of new people come and get connected throughout the summer. This is a great chance for you to find out more about community, what we're all about, what we do, uh, why we do it, um, and then how you can get deeper connected and what your next few steps would look like, and so that's coming up. And then also we have uh, t-shirts. We got a new design, our new community t-shirts available this weekend starting now. For those of you who are in here, in person. Uh, Right after the service, you can go down to the first room. We call it the living room. You just go down there. You can get your t-shirt. They're 15 bucks. We got all the different sizes. This is the first time they're available right now, so your size should be there. I can't promise that for anybody after this service, but for you guys, it's there, and so take advantage of that, and then go outside and hang out and have some ice cream after all that, all right? We can do that together. Um, What I want us to do is not go that fast. Okay, what I want us to do, and that was me, by the way, um, I want us to dive into this this message this week, but before I say this, I just got to say how great it was to have Christopher LaPelle with us last week. Um, a pastor from Cambodia who leads the Hope for Cambodia mission, uh, planting churches and all of that. I just want to continue. For those of you who heard his story last week, I know you were encouraged. You're inspired. Uh, just keep praying for them, praying for him. He is there now meeting with the minister of religion and going through some, some things there. So kind of be praying for them that all those doors will continue to swing open for the ministry and for the mission throughout Cambodia. All right, so this week we're continuing our series, We Need to Talk. And I really, when I set the series up, I really wanted to have kind of some random things I felt like we needed to talk about every now and then. And uh, so missions was one of those last week. Caleb came in and talked the first week about temptation, which is great. And this week I want to talk about, well, let me say it this way. I think in America, if you grew up in America, this is going to be somewhat of a radical message. It's kind of countercultural to what we learn and how we've been brought up in America because, because of our value system. Now, God says something different. He says, if you'll follow me, you will not be plagued with loneliness. And even though you have moments and times where fear and, and frustration and failure might be a part of your story, he goes, I have a quick and immediate solution, and uh, we just got to pay attention to him. But like I said, in America, there's a problem because the value that is kind of pounded into us from the time we're really young is a value we know as independence. Now, independence, I'm telling you, man, it's an American thing. Just think about this. That, that statement that was made famous, it takes a village to raise a child, that didn't come from America. We just borrowed that from some other place. Americans are independent. That's the way we're wired. That's the way it's kind of brought into our life from a very young age. In fact, our, our country was founded on a document called the Declaration of independence. You're saying, well, that's not the same thing. Well, you get the idea though, right? Like I see it in a lot of different ways. So several years ago, I'm preparing to do a funeral for a man. I'm meeting with his brother. His brother says to me, do you think it'd be okay if we played that old hymn, I did it my way? 
I didn't have a heart to tell him that wasn't a hymn. It's more like a national anthem, but it's not a hymn, right? I did it my way. It's about independence. I'm number one. I get to do what I want to do. I get to call my shots, right? That's what we think. My wife is a substitute teacher for him at Unified, and the first week of school, she heard some kids saying the Pledge of Allegiance. And I'll cut to the chase. They said, one nation under God. And I was like, well, at least they got that part right. Right? Okay, well, I'm sorry. Back up. One nation under God, individual with liberty and justice for all. Now, what's the word supposed to be? Indivisible, right? Indivisible. And by the way, indivisible means unable to divide. Oh, have you noticed our country the last couple of years? We're actually going to talk about that next week. But individual, independence, it's kind of hardwired into us. We're, we're taught that it's through our, our freedom and our independence that we're going to really discover happiness, like uh, personal independence, financial independence. We have all these phrases that all go back to the same thing. We're wired to believe that happiness comes from being truly independent, but God says something else. In fact, he says it uh, quite differently. Listen, look at this. This is C.S. Lewis writing after his wife has passed away. She lost a battle with cancer, and he says, I'm not sure I can love again. It may just be too painful. And he writes this, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything in your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The only place outside heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers of love is hell. See what he's saying? He's saying this, this, this drive for us to be independent, isolated, our own person. We don't need anybody else. That might work okay if we don't want to get hurt, but the reality is we're going to get hurt either way. And God says there's a better way. Now, literally, there's a better way. In fact, I want you to see this. Romans chapter 12, verse 5, he says, since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other, and each of us needs all the others. By the way, this is what I'm going to do this week. Sometimes we take one passage and just chew on it, like we were doing that as we worked our way through the book of John. I want to kind of go up and get that 30,000-foot view, so I'm going to give you verses from all over the Bible because I really believe sometimes we need to just realize how much God talks about this stuff. So let me go back. Romans 12, 5. Since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other. Just look to the person next to you and say, you need me. All right, some of you are sitting by yourself. Just stretch it. Look across the aisle. Find somebody and say this. I hate when he tells us to look at somebody and say anything. Say, say that. Go ahead. It's all right. I hate when he tells us to do that. Okay, one more. Look at him one more time and say this. I need you. Now, we may have had some marriage proposals just take place. I don't know, but I'm going to do a two-for-one special right after the service tonight for anybody who's interested. Now, here's the reality. We do. We belong to each other. We need each other. God wired us not for independence, but here's the word, interdependence. 
And here's another word, community. He wired us to need each other, to support each other, to help each other. I mean, that, that's what he wired us to do. That's what he helps us do. And so I want to kind of take a quick look. While we're taking this big look at the big picture, I want to kind of take a nuts and bolts look at the same time for this fall. There's two major ways that we want to help connect people relationally. And these two ways, so like typically we always have like life groups going on, but this fall, we're really focusing on these two things. We have rooted groups. Rooted groups are the groups you, you do when you, when you start out and you're just like, I'm, I'm new to community or I've been coming here for a while, but I haven't done life group or I just need to change it up. I've never done rooted and I want to grow. This is an amazing, amazing Bible study to have with some other friends. And so five, six, 10, 12, 15 people get together and they do Rooted together. There is a cost because there's some materials that you buy. There's a daily devotional that you have. You actually do five daily devotionals a week. And then you come back together and you talk about those. You don't just show up and go, I wonder what we're going to talk about and Rooted. No, all week long you've been working on it. You've been praying. You've been reading. You've been looking at God's word. And then you come together and you talk about it together. It's, it's an amazing thing. It, it truly is. It's a 10-week commitment, and, and it's so serious, we, we say about this commitment, that if you know that you're going to miss at least two of them, you know, two of them or more, like, hmm, maybe just wait till the next time. But I'm going to encourage you to carve out that time, make that commitment. And I'm going to show you why this is all important through the rest of this message, but rooted is one of those primary ways. And in a unique way this year, while we offer Financial Peace University at different times during the year, different years, this year is different because at the beginning of the year, we had a family who made a, a sizable donation that made it possible for everybody in community to take Financial Peace University free this whole year. And so we're going to have a major push this fall. We've already run a couple of groups throughout the year. We're going to make a major push this fall. And starting September 14th on a Wednesday night, I think it's eight weeks long, you come in here. We're going to have round tables. You come in here. You get to sit. You get to meet some other people. You get to connect with other people. And then you get to learn about financial peace through Dave Ramsey. And uh, our guy, Ruben Caballero, is great. And he's been leading this, these groups in our church for a long time. We have some other groups who have been rooted groups and, and together as a group. They're going to go through FPU, so those are your options this fall, and we want to just let you know ahead of time, in the next few weeks, we're going to give you opportunities to sign up for that. The rooted groups will start the week of September 11th, and that Wednesday, September 14th, the FPU, or Financial Peace University groups, are going to start. So I want you to know, as we talk about the importance of groups and relationships, we are offering you stuff immediately. It's a great time to be able to know about this and to sign up for these things. This is, this is what we're going to be doing. All right, so let me give you this, this big picture idea why this is so important. Here's the first thing. I need friends to walk with me. Let me say it differently. You need friends to walk with you. I do too. Well, like we, we, we all do. That's the way God wired us. We need people to walk with us. What do we mean by walk? A lot of times when we talk about a relationship with God, we talk about our walk in our spiritual walk, our spiritual journey. That's because being a Christian isn't about sitting and watching. It's about, it's about a journey of growing to become more and more like Jesus. And so here, here's one of the things that I've noticed. As I read through the Bible, I see the word walk come up a lot. We're to walk in the truth, walk in the light, walk with the Holy Spirit, walk in love, Walk the way Jesus walked. I mean, that, that kind of terminology is used over and over. So I want you to understand this idea. You and I, we need friends to walk with us. 
That's how God wired us. He didn't intend for us to do life alone or to walk alone. That's not what he asks us to do. That's not what he wants us to do, all right? So he says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Now, let me just stop here for a second. What he's going to be doing here, he's going to give us one another, and he's going to do it again in the next verse. There's over 50 of these one another's. Now, the reason I point this out is because some people say, well, what's the big deal? I kind of like walking alone. I saw a reel this week. It kind of cracked me up. It's a guy's voice, and typically on a reel on Instagram or TikTok or however, however they're doing it, they're going to have the guy doing this playing the sound with the camera on his wife so you can catch her reaction. And the voice says something like this. There's no man in here that wants to be married. There's not a guy alive who woke up this morning saying, I wish someone would make all my decisions for me. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Michelle didn't think it was that funny. Uh, it goes on, but I'll just stop there. You get the idea. So, so people say, like, what's the big deal? I like to walk alone. Yeah, but when you walk alone, you don't, you don't learn about love and cooperation and relationship. And you can't, listen to me carefully, you can't obey over 50 of the commands in the New Testament. Because he says, this is done with one another. Okay, here we go. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So we got spur one another on and encourage one another. He says, I don't want you to stop meeting together. By the way, this meeting right now is critical for us. I don't mean just this one. I mean, like, when we gather together in worship, that's critical stuff. Our, our church has this mission, stepping in, building up, living out. We want to help people step into a relationship with Jesus, build that relationship up, live out that relationship. And what we do on the weekends really actually helps us do all three of those things. We have a lot of people who make that decision. They're, they come here, they discover Jesus, they make that decision to step into that relationship in a weekend service. They get baptized in a weekend service. They step in, they get started. We are built up because we're learning the Word of God together. We're, we're growing. We're, we're gaining more information. We're, we're, we're knowing more about God, knowing more about ourselves. That's important. We're, we're being challenged to live it out, you know, throughout the week. But I will tell you this. The primary vehicle that we see the building up thing happen is in our small groups. It's in our life groups, our rooted groups. That, that's where we see this happening. Because we truly believe, this isn't just like, a great quote. Well, like we truly believe that becoming like Jesus happens best in the context of relationship. Now, why do you think that is? Because me, myself, and the Bible on a deserted island will just read the verses I like. I'm going to avoid some of those verses that I don't like or that don't make sense. But when I have some of the people around me, they're going to bring up some other things that I never thought about before. They're going to ask some questions I never asked. When I study with other people, I'm going to learn the way that God has helped them and molded them and changed them, and it's going to challenge me. Like, we, we learn from each other. That's the beauty of those rooted groups. We, we're learning from each other, no matter where we're at in our walk. That's what God does. And he uses those kind of groups where people genuinely know us, like they know our name. They know what's going on. They're not just a, a face that we recognize when we see them at worship. Hey, I know you. Like, that's great. But this isn't like community. This 
This is a gathering. This is a crowd, and this is good, and it has its place and its purpose. But we, we need to be able to meet together where people know our name. And I'm not talking about cheers. For those of you that's old enough to know that reference, right? Okay, I'm not talking about cheers, all right? Check this out. This is Ephesians 4.16. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as he's talking about the body of Christ. He's talking about us. As each part does its work. He designed the body not to all everybody do the same thing. Right? I'm just thinking about our weekend service right now. We, we had a harp player. We had a keyboard player. We had a jambe player. We had singers. But in the back, we had camera people. We had lighting people. We had sound people. We have, these are people who are all doing different things. Not one person can do them all at the same time. It just can't happen. There are freaky, talented people who can do many different things. I get that. But they can't do them all at the same time. And it works best if a number of people work together. He says, we're the body of Christ. And this is how this works. Michelle and I have had the privilege and the blessing of leading five of our rooted groups over the last couple of years. We just started this right about the time COVID started, but we've still been able to do five groups. And I'm going to tell you, man, that it has been so encouraging to watch people. Some of them brand new, not even a Christian yet, asking questions, trying to figure it all out. Other people in the group have been Christians for decades, 40, you know, four, five, six decades. We've seen that entire span in the group, and we've watched all of them grow. He says, I want you to grow. And in the body, you're going to grow better if you're together, and I want you to grow in love. And here's one of the things I noticed about Rooted too: Very quickly, there's a connection. The connection is genuine between the people. You get to know other people real fast in this. And you, you realize these are people you care about. These are people you trust. One of my friends, before we started doing um, Rooted Here, he was telling me how valuable it was in his church. And he says, but here's the reason we did it. Because of my, he says his adult daughter, his adult daughter lived at a church or worked at a church in uh, Orange County called Mariners. And they're the ones that kind of translated Rooted into English so that, and, 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 and in American culture so that we could understand. It was originally written by a pastor in Kenya. But Mariners brought it. So she's there, and she's in a rooted group. And within three weeks, she changed who was going to be in her wedding and added two of those girls from her rooted group. I mean, very quickly, these connections are made. This, this love is genuine that happens there. Again, we're, we're walking with people, right? He says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. I was looking at that today, and I just thought, you know what? Right now, my, my wife and I are both gone right now. My dad is living with us. We brought him into our home a week ago Wednesday because his health is declining, and uh, we got to be able to take care of him. But right now, while we're gone, one of his friends from his life group is sitting with him at our house. They're honoring him. They're, they're, they're devoted to him. It's a real and practical picture of that. Here's another verse. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part's honored, every part rejoices with it. Like, like we're in this together. At least that's the way it's supposed to be. I, I read about a guy who passed away and was discovered in his home two years later. My first thought was, what a horrible way to die. 
And then I changed it. I thought, what a, what a horrible way to live with no connection. No one that cared, maybe no one that he cared about. So he goes two years unnoticed in his home. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. I love this because we get to do the whole gamut, right? It's like we celebrate. We, we party with people who got the new job. We, we hang, you know, they, they pass that class. They get married. We get to rejoice with them, but we also come alongside them when it hurts. I was, I was 21 years old. Ben, pay attention. Ben, our student ministry pastor, is 21 years old. I was 21 years old. I was in college. And I began to be the pastor of a little church in Conway, Missouri, Conway Christian Church. It was 30 to 40 people. On Easter, we would swell to 60, massive Easter weekend, a little white church, bell tower, wooden pews, potluck dinners, just like you picture a little country church. That's where I was preaching. 21 years old, though, and I, I was brand new to ministry. Now, I grew up in a, in a pastor's home, so I'd been around it, but there's, there was moments where I was in over my head. One of those nights, I get called, and Conway is about 30 miles from Springfield, which is the big city in southern Missouri, and I get the call that somebody from my church is in the hospital, and they're dying and the family wants me to be there. So I get in my car and I drive. The entire time, I'm thinking, what do I say? I don't know what to say. This is way before cell phones. Otherwise, I would have made some calls on the way. What do I say? What do I say? I would have called people who I think might know the answer to this question. What do I say? And I get there, and I'm there with them for about an hour before that person passed away. There was a family. It was a large family. We all just sat together. I didn't do hardly any talking. You know, I was petrified of saying the wrong thing. But I said a few things, and we prayed together. And I thought about it later. They didn't need me to say anything. They just needed me to be there. I, I want to encourage you with that, because there's times, I think, when we have friends going through painful, horrible stuff, and maybe we... we we keep a distance because we're afraid to say the wrong thing or we don't know what to say. Let me, let me just encourage you. You don't have to say anything. Just show up. Just be there. In fact, that's way better than opening your mouth and inserting your foot. And I've heard it happen. I think I've done it myself a few times, but one of the things that really bothers me is when people are in pain, people try to help them with cliches. Let me tell you two of them that irritate me. I don't know how to say that. They just irritate me. One of them is this. You know, somebody just lost their child. Well, you know, when, when God closes one door, he opens another. I just want to punch him in the face. You know what I'm talking about? Like, that doesn't help anybody. Don't, don't throw those kind of cliches around. Here's another one. Yeah, I know you guys were married for 57 great years, and I'm sorry that your wife is gone. But God just needed another angel. Can we just never say that one? Because biblically, you're completely wrong. Did you know that? People don't become angels. The body says our, our bodies are transformed 
into the next life to be like Jesus' body. Jesus and angels are not the same. In the Bible, if you read the Bible, angels and people are different. We don't become angels. We become this new version of ourselves in the presence of God. So don't tell somebody to make them feel better something that's not even true. Does that make sense? Let's just start there. And let's not say anything if we need to. Let's just walk in and just give them a big hug and just say, I'm, I'm sorry. I hurt for you. That's as simple as it is. Because we can rejoice with them. We also mourn with them. And they may not need our advice at all. They just need somebody to cry with. And that's the kind of thing that we can do together. First Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another. Here's another one another thing. Encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you're doing. Here's the point. This is just the first point. <laughs> but we need other people that, that we can walk with. That's what we're talking about. Here's the second picture of this I want you to get. I need friends to work with me. Do you know that God designed you to accomplish certain things on planet Earth in this lifetime of yours? God made you on purpose for a purpose. And I'm going to tell you right now, you can't fulfill that on your own. He didn't make you that way. He, in fact, wired you to be able to accomplish his purpose in conjunction with other people. We need other people that we can work with. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says this, for we are God's handiwork. You've heard this before. Maybe if you haven't, let me just get you up to speed. The original word for that is poemas, which means masterpiece. It's where we get the word poem. But he's saying you are God's masterpiece. God made you. He wired you with your gifts and abilities. He, we are his handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Like he made us on purpose for purpose. He wants us to, to do some things. But again, we do these best like with other people, alongside other people. But maybe, maybe one of the ways we can understand this, like we said earlier, like the, the church is a body and we have different people with different abilities. By yourself, by myself, I can't accomplish that much. Not really. We, we need other people in our life. This is what it says in Ecclesiastes 4.9. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. I love that word. They can help each other succeed. Again, this is the way we're wired in order to do it together with other people. You know, this picture sometimes is used in a marriage ceremony. Like two people, two people are better than one. And you're like, they can, they can work together. They can help each other succeed. But even a marriage is a good picture for the bigger picture of what we're talking about. Like, even in a marriage, no husband and wife are identical. Like, they don't all have the same thoughts, the same gifts, the same personality. In fact, have you noticed that a lot of times the husband and the wife are opposites in a lot of ways? Why do we say opposites attract? Because they do. And then they irritate. That's later. That's much later into the marriage. But at first, those opposites attract, right? But we need the strengths that somebody else has because it's our weakness, well, that, that's, that's what makes a great marriage work, but it's also what makes a great church work. Like, I'm, there's areas I'm just not good at. Other people, though, are, and so they come in, and then they work on those kinds of things. We work on this stuff all together. There is a, a myth called the Mother Teresa myth. Now, we're not saying the Mother Teresa didn't exist. We know she did. Here's the myth, that she did it on her own. Mother Teresa gets the credit because she was the visible leader 
but she never did it alone. She rallied other nuns. She rallied other people to help her in Calcutta. You know, dozens, hundreds more people helping with all the people that they helped. It was never one person. Have you ever seen on TV or a movie or maybe in real life, have you ever seen the Amish put up a barn in one day? It's pretty amazing, right? Like the entire community gets out, they come together. Some people bring a hammer, somebody has a saw. Some people are carrying wood, some people are carrying lunch. Everybody comes, everybody has a different role. And at the end of the day, there's a barn. It wasn't there before they started. And in one day they can put up a barn. It's because they work together. They're able to help each other succeed. Here's another thing. I need friends to watch out for me. Like, I need somebody to have my back. I need somebody to help pick me up when I fall down. I I need somebody to help come alongside and lift me up when I'm discouraged, I'm beaten down. Like, I need somebody to watch out for me. And the Bible has all kinds of verses that talk about this, all kinds of pictures of this. Here's one that I love. Don't look out only for your own interest. That's independence. (laughs) But take an interest in others. That's interdependence. He's saying, I I know you got to brush your own teeth. You know, I know there's some things you got to do on your own, but I don't want you to do life that way. I want you to be interested in other people. I want you to take an interest in them. I want you to care enough about them to know what's going on in their life so you can come alongside, so that you can pray for them, so that you can help them. Yeah, I'm sure you've been in a neighborhood and you've seen the sign and it says, neighborhood what? Watch. Neighborhood, watch. That is a sign of community. You know, I know sometimes they do it better than in other places, but it's like the idea is that we're going to watch out for each other, right? It's like somebody kind of drives in, and they they don't look like they belong, and they're just kind of slowly cruising. We're wondering if they're casing the houses or whatever. Then somebody says something, people come outside. It's like neighborhood, watch. We're going to keep an eye out for each other. You know, like me, if you went on vacation during the summer or any time during the year, maybe you have a neighbor like I do. You just tell them, say, by the way, we're going to be gone. Uh, This is what might happen. I actually text my neighbor and I say, by the way, I got a package coming today. Could you just grab it off the porch so the pirates don't, you know? So I have a neighbor like that. His name is Steve. You know him. He was here earlier tonight. He's like, he goes to our church. He might be the world's best neighbor. Like, we don't need neighborhood watch. We have Steve. And he sits out in his garage on his computer a lot and just kind of keeps an eye on things. We had a guy one time that pulled up in front of my house early, early on a Sunday morning at sunrise. He didn't recognize the car. He didn't know what it was. The car, the guy just sitting there. And Steve walked out of his garage, walks right up to the car and goes, what are you doing here? I mean, I think he meant, hey, Jesus loves you. But no, it was like, what are you doing? Who are you? What's going on? And the guy explained the situation. He said, okay. He was related to somebody on our cul-de-sac. He was waiting for them to get up so he didn't wake them up. But it's nice to have somebody who is watching out for you. We need people like that in our life, people that watch out for us. Speaking of this kind of stuff, like, like watching out, one of the things that we all have is a blind spot or blind spots, right? I was thinking back before cars got super technical, like, we never knew our taillight was out unless somebody told us, right? Like, that's, we don't see that. We, we don't even know what's happening. Now our car goes, nah, your taillight's out. And it's the left one and whatever. It tells you exactly which light and everything else. 
probably now they just order it for you and it shows up by Amazon. By the time you get home, you just put it in. I don't know how it works, but in the, back in the day, somebody else would have to tell you because that's a blind spot, right? We have all kinds of blind spots. I was thinking about today and I, and I double-checked. I thought, if I ever come out here and my zipper's down, and I didn't notice it. Like, I hope that somebody would just stand up and say, yo, PJ, X, Y, Z. Now, if you don't know what X, Y, Z mean, what, what does it mean? Anybody? Examine your zipper. Yes, exactly, all right? So we got to look out for each other. Like, if you have a friend who has, like, a big chunk of lettuce in their teeth, you don't let them go through the day. If you're a friend, now, if you don't like them very much, it's like, hey, let's see what happens. I get that, right? That's kinda, that could be fun, too. But, like, we don't let our friends walk around with taco in our teeth. Like, no, we got blind spots. We need somebody in our life to, to cover that for us. And as a country, we had some blind spots. We didn't know about it until 21 years ago. September 11th. When that was all said and done, there were some reports that came out, findings, um, things they discovered. And I had a chance to read some of that. It's pretty interesting stuff. But let me just show you a couple of them because I saw the parallel between the, the enemy they describe and our enemy, the devil. Look at this. They said, we learned about an enemy who is sophisticated, patient, disciplined, and lethal. Like, we knew there was terrorism, but we just didn't know they would be able to hit home like this. In the report, one of the things it says is that our enemy doesn't distinguish between the military and the civilian. Like, they don't even have a word for collateral damage because they just don't care who gets hurt. That's what this says in the report. And then this says this too. I want you to see this. We did not understand how grave this threat really was. I mean, that's, that's true of a lot of Christians when it comes to the devil and some of the things he's up to. And then they said this, the test before us, I want you to hear this. Think of this as the church. The test before us is to sustain the unity of purpose and meet the challenges now confronting us. The unity of purpose. Like, we, we've got to be together on this stuff. Because it's big stuff. It's important stuff. And we've got to be able to work together on it. Ecclesiastes 4.12, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Again, a lot of times we use this in a wedding ceremony. We talk about the two people, and then the third part of this strand, this cord is Jesus. The two with Jesus is going to be hard to mess that up. But this is really a picture just of relationship in general. Like the, the more people we get together, the more people on purpose, together, united, he's saying that that's hard to deal with. And think of the way Jesus talks about the church. He says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It means the church is on the offensive, but it's because we're working together and we're powerful when we work together. That's what he tells us. That's what he reveals to us in his word in so many different places and in so many different ways. Ecclesiastes 4.10, he says, if either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls down and has no one to help them up. Yeah, it reminds me of that guy in his house, dead for two years, like no one, no one there. 
And I hope you have some people in your life. And the more that we are intentional about developing these relationships, the better off we're going to be. There's one more picture of this I want you to get. We need friends to witness with me. I need friends to witness with me. You need friends to witness with you. What, what is that? How do we do that together? Like, I need friends to witness with me. You know, one of the primary ways that we get to be a witness for our relationship with God, a witness to let people know who Jesus is, it might surprise you, but Jesus tells us that one of the primary ways that we can witness to others is love each other. Yeah, we want the love to go beyond these walls, but he says, the way we love each other, well, here's what he said. Look at it. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now listen to this carefully. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Everyone will know if you love one another. Though The way we care about each other, the way we take care of each other, the way we pick each other up, the way that we're there for each other on the celebration and in the morning, the way we do that, the way we share life together, walking with each other, working with each other, doing all these things, like the world notices that stuff. And then we take that love and we move it beyond our walls. We move it into our schools and into our workplaces and into our neighborhoods. We take that same kind of care and concern and love for people and we take it out there and it continues to let people know we belong to Jesus. We belong to him. Remember this from last week? But you will receive power, Jesus' words. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. And this is how we said it last week. In him and San Jacinto, <laughs> in California, in the United States of America, and to the ends of the earth. He's just saying, we start at home. We, we start at home. It might be scary to go on a mission trip to another place in the world, but I think for some people it's scarier to go to their neighbor. You know, it might be, you know, intense to go into another place in the world and a culture you're not aware of, and like you're, you're learning, you're reading, you're studying but can we do a little background work and getting to know our neighbors just by some conversations? He's saying, I want you to start at home. Now, I want you to go to these other places. I want you to, to help, support, do what you can to make these other things happen. But we all have to start at home. And how do we do that? We do it together. Here, here's the question I've asked before. I need to ask it every now and then. Is anybody going to be in heaven because of you? I'm not saying you have to do it alone. You don't have to do it alone. I don't have to do it alone. But is anybody going to be in heaven because of you? So we've talked all year about our top five list. At least five people that we know of, that we love, we care about. God has placed in our life. He's put them in our circle of influence. Maybe we see them at work on a regular basis. We see them in our neighborhood. Where we go to our school or our kids' school. We, we see these people. We interact with them. We see them at the restaurant we go to. Whatever it is, like these are people that God has placed in our These are the people we've put on that chalkboard wall over there. These are the people we're praying for. And I want to encourage you to keep praying for them. But no, you're not in this alone. You pray for them. You look for those opportunities to, to tell your story. You look for those opportunities maybe to invite them. Man, the moment you get them on this property, man, it's a team effort. You got greeters out there. You got people in here doing stuff. You got people taking care of their kids down there who are amazing. All these different people, all these different gifts, we're all working together on all of our friends. Did you know that? I had invited some friends that came on Easter 
I was so excited they came. I didn't see them right away. I saw them after the service that they attended. Even though I was out there, they had just slipped in. But this is what I noticed. They didn't slip in without anybody talking to them. In fact, they told me later how nice everyone, how many people greeted them, how amazing the service was. The, the entire thing was, they were blown away, but they hadn't been in church for years and years and years. For decades, they hadn't been to a church. And I saw them after the service. See, I, even though I had invited them, you all were a part of making them feel welcome. You're saying, well, I'm not even a greeter. Yeah, but maybe they sat in your row. And you said, hey, how are you doing tonight? Somebody talked to me. They're not even official. They don't have like a name badge or anything. These people are nice. You know, what, what an impression do we make when, when we are the people that someone sits near and we're just able to say, hey, how are you doing tonight? How are you doing today? We're in this together. We work on this together. That's how God wants us to work. I want you to stand up with me for just a moment. Everybody stand up. I'm going to put it to you because I, I don't want you to be surprised by what I'm going to have you declare, but we're going to declare this together out loud. All right? I'll read it once, and then we're all going to do it together. I really, really, really need a group. Okay, so the idea is I need a group of people who know me and I know them and we care for each other. We walk together and we work together and we do all these things we've been talking about together. I really, really, really need a group. Let's say it together. One, two, three. I really, really, really need a group. You know what that is? That's our declaration of interdependence. That's what that is. And you just did it. Let's try it one more time. Just this top part. Here we go. I I'm not convinced. Were you guys convinced? Did you hear that? It's it weak sauce. I, I was just going to let it go, but I can't let it go. One more time. Here we go. I. All right. Now we're getting there. Now we're getting there. So stay standing. Let's pray. Father, we know we need each other. And for some people, that's just way harder than others to reach out, to make a connection. You know, in a crowd, for some people, ah, that's no problem. They're, they're extroverted. They just run into the crowd. Let's meet some new people. This is going to be fun. And for other people, that's the scariest thing in the world. God, we can all meet people in a smaller group. That's why we need a group. And I pray in the next few weeks, we find the group that we can be a part of, and we can get to know some people, and we can let them get to know. We, we can open up our life a little bit more and let some people in. God, thank you so much for this church. I mean, the community is not just a part of our name. It's like, it's what's important to us because we want to honor you with our life. God, I pray that you would forgive me, forgive any of us at times who are trying to be isolated, do it on our own, maybe for fear of being hurt again, maybe just for fear. But God, we just know we need other people. If we read your Bible, even for five minutes, we're going to see that we need others. Thank you for challenging us that way. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.